You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. My why as God's people is to rebuild this city for the glory of God, because he has laid his hand on this city and this is the city of the Lord. And I'm gonna rebuild the wall, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple. We are back. And we're told as they begin the work, then they are suddenly attacked by enemies. Anytime you put your hand to the work of God, don't be shocked when you're attacked. Because as soon as you put your hand to the cause of God, you're gonna be attacked by God's bitter enemies. But that's all right, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amidst the rhythm of daily life, do you ever underestimate the significance of the cross? Do you ever let it slip into your lower priorities? Well, in today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you must never take the cross for granted. As Christians, we're nothing without the saving blood of Jesus on the cross. It's not just something to wear around your neck, but instead should be the powerful reminder of who you are through Christ. Regardless of the challenges you encounter, always stand by the cross. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Ephesians chapter one as he begins his message, The Why Advantage in Weariness. Now, in case you haven't been here, we've been talking about the why advantage, the why advantage in trials, the why advantage, uh, the, the, the advantage that understanding why you're here and who you are in Christ gives you an edge. The why advantage is about the advantage you have in life when you understand who you are in God and why you're here. What's his reason for having you here? Why do he let you get up for another day and me and give us another day? Why? Why are we here? Why doesn't he just take us home the minute we're saved? Because God has a plan, a plan for every one of us. God has a plan. He's got a plan for you. The most important thing you and I can ever do is fulfill that plan. That we would grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. That we would shine as lights, be salt of the earth, advance the kingdom of God. He had a plan for all of us. Collectively and individually, there's a plan. And when you understand that, it gives you an edge in warfare, an edge in trials, and even an edge when you're weary. Esther's uncle, Mordecai, told her, he said, listen to me, Esther, you're queen, but I want you to think about this. That's not the ultimate for you. You have come to the kingdom for such a time. There's always a bigger picture. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing for all of us is to keep the main thing, Jesus, the main thing in our life. Amen? So how do you have the edge in weariness? And what did they experience? Now the background of the story is, you probably know it, but because of Judah's sin, they didn't listen to Jeremiah the prophet. They didn't listen to a myriad of other prophets, uh, minor prophets that came to them and told them, if you don't quit sinning, if you don't get right with God, if you don't repent, you're gonna be carried off into captivity. You're gonna be judged and it's gonna be severe. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. They even ripped up the writings of Jeremiah and threw them into a fire. When a place gets to where they're burning the word of God, get ready. It's gonna be judged. So they didn't listen. 
So the Babylonians came down, took him into captivity and dragged him off in chains. It was a horrible scene. If you want to know how bad it was, read the book of Lamentations right after Jeremiah because Jeremiah with tears writes down what he's seeing. His own prophecies come into pass, his own warnings appearing in front of him. Now, after 70 years, they were released by a Persian king named Cyrus. And the, the amazing thing is the prophet Isaiah had predicted that after 70 years they would be released and he named the name of the Persian king when he wasn't even born yet. That's the power of God's word. So they're being dismissed. They're being released. And thousands of them have returned to their homeland that they haven't seen in seven decades. That's a long time. Some of them that returned had never seen it because they were born in Babylon. But they go back to rebuild. And when they see the results of the judgment that fell, it was so deflating. They look at their city, it's a pile of ruins. Uh, it's burned to the ground, it's overgrown with weeds, it's overrun with wild animals. It's full of debris and litter, overgrown. It's a mess. And yet God has told them, I want you to go back and rebuild the city and rebuild the wall. You have my green light. Go for it. And you know what? They began with enthusiasm. The Bible says they had a mind to work. That means they had an attitude of let's go. They're full of zeal, full of fire for the cause of God. They understand at this point their why. My why as God's people is to rebuild this city for the glory of God because he has laid his hand on this city and this is the city of the Lord and I'm gonna rebuild the wall, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple. We are back. And we're told as they begin the work, then they are suddenly attacked by enemies. Anytime you put your hand to the work of God, don't be shocked when you're attacked because as soon as you put your hand to the cause of God, you're gonna be attacked by God's bitter enemies, but that's all right, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And uh, the opposition has two top leaders, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. Sam Ballot is a Horonite, what a terrible name. <laughs> Tobiah is an Ammonite. All you need to know about those two ites is they were a part of the tribes that Israel drove out of the promised land when they first went in to take it. So they've always been enemies of Israel. And these two men immediately launch an intimidation campaign that is very, very severe and concentrated, fierce. They unleash a tirade of bitter mocking and threats of violence and uh, constant criticism. They have decided the way to get at these people is to intimidate them with fear and to overwhelm them with mockery and, and, and criticism and make them the joke. Degrade them, defame them, shame them. If even a fox walks along the top of the wall they're building, it'll collapse, mocking. And... Sam Ballot flew into a rage, insulted and mocked and laughed at us. And so did his friends and the Samaritan army officers, the Gentiles. Every, they were surrounded by negativity as they began to build. 
And they also decided to throw confusion into the mix, which is always the sign of the devil. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. It says they plotted to lead an army against Jerusalem to bring about riots and confusion. We're gonna kick up some riots and we're gonna confuse this thing so bad they will give up and quit, which is what they were after. They did all this so that Judah would give up and quit and go back to Babylon. They wanted them to put up the white flag. They wanted them to stop. Just like the enemy. That's why you're having so much warfare today. The devil wants you to stop. He, he knows you're saved. You're gonna go when the trumpet blows, but he doesn't want you glorifying Christ on the earth. So he, he's, he's out to make you quit, put up the white flag. Some of you watching right now online, Satan has been attacking you Maybe the reason you're not even here in person is because you've been tempted to quit. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna preach the quit out of you today. I'm serious. They wanted them to quit. Satan always wants us to quit. He always wants us to give up. He always wants us to say, I can't do this anymore. Too much. And they even use peer pressure. Whenever the workers who lived in the nearby cities went home for a visit, the enemies tried to talk them out of returning to Jerusalem. Have you ever noticed the devil will try to talk you out of returning to your place of blessing? Oh yeah. I, I can't tell you how often I've seen people get talked out of church. Well, I got offended there. Well, we've all been offended there. Well, there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Have you looked in the mirror? I am, I'm going to. I, I mean, it's just all these excuses. But what they don't realize is they're being talked out of their place of blessing. Should you be shocked that the very place where God is feeding you, blessing you, where you're finding yourself in Christ and being involved in his work, that he would attack you there to get you out? Come on, church. Yet Judah responded with steely resolve to finish the work. It says, they prayed again. Hear us, O Lord God, we're being mocked. May their scoffing fall back upon their own heads. And they even doubled down on security. They believed in swords. So we set a watch against them day and night, placed armed guards. So they didn't believe in sword-free zones. And they placed armed guards from each family in the cleared spaces behind the walls. Okay? Judah was winning the day in spite of all his negativity surrounding them, all the mockery, the joking, the jesting, the finger pointing, the threats of violence. In spite of all of it, they kept right on going until verse 10. In verse 10, something happens. Their mood changes. Their resolve collapses. Their faith faints. The strength of the laborers is falling. And there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. Now I want you to mark those words because we're going to see in a little bit that that was a lie. We're not able to build the wall. That's a lie. Because we're going to see in a minute, you went ahead and finished. So that's a lie. So whatever has a hold of them, the enemy is lying to them. 
When the devil tells you you can't do something that God has told you to do, mark it down. It's a lie. God told them to do it. But constant conflict, trials, and difficulties have multiplied and aggravating setbacks have taken their toll. And when did all this happen? What was the point where they reached this place of, I give up, I can't do it? What place was it? There was a, there was a particular place. The Holy Ghost doesn't waste a word with his word. So the Holy Ghost put this in the Bible for us to see. You know when it was? The halfway point. It was the halfway point. Because the Bible says, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. So they had this gigantic wall halfway finished. And that's when everything went south. And that's when their faith went sideways. And that's when they decided to give up at the halfway point, at the halfway point. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's something about the halfway point. Yeah, there really is something to this. We were at the halfway point and we quit and we decided we couldn't do it. There's something about the halfway point with we human beings that, that, that gets to us halfway through the job, halfway to victory, halfway to their goal. They fainted. So there's got to be something to the halfway point. We're no different today. Have you ever noticed there's something about that halfway point where we weaken? I climbed a mountain once when I was a teenager. The only mountain I've ever climbed. I was so excited to climb it. It was called Pecos Baldy, and it's in New Mexico. And I climbed that mountain with some friends and a couple of guides. We had guides leading us. And this was a genuine, high, real mountain with snow on the top. And we climbed it. And I remember at the beginning of the climb thinking, hot dog, I'm going to climb a mountain. Hallelujah. Here I come. I'm going to stand at the top of that mountain and I'm going to be king of the mountain. I'm going to, I'm going to stand there and yell at the world. Sort of like Leonardo DiCaprio on that Titanic. I'm (laughs) king of the world, whatever he said. And, And I couldn't wait. And so we all started with all the zeal, all the zest, all the motivation, all the excitement until we climbed all day. And at the end of the day, one of the guys said, well, we're going to stop right here and take a break. And I asked the wrong question. I said, well, how far do we have to go? And he said, well, we're about halfway there. And I said, halfway, halfway. Are you kidding me? I'm young, I'm a teenager, but I am out of fuel. (laughs) Halfway? You mean we've got half to go? See, because the halfway point, you're halfway done, but you've got halfway to go. (laughs) You've got half behind you, but you still got half in front of you. And there was something about that halfway point where I just said, I don't know if I can make it all the way to the top. The halfway point. Have you ever noticed it's halfway to graduating? You say, do I really want this degree? How about halfway through that project, halfway through paying off the house or the car? You realize you're halfway there and you've been working hard to get that car paid off, but you're halfway there. And something inside of you says, I got halfway to go with all I've already done. I don't know if I can do it. How about halfway through that marriage counseling? 
How about halfway through that diet plan? Boy, I got a big amen on that one. Because you got all that New Year's resolution, halfway through that New Year's resolution, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds, and you're 10, you've made it to 10, and you feel like you're gonna starve to death? Halfway through that exercise program. Well, I don't know if I wanna look that fit. I'm feeling pretty good halfway. Halfway through reading the Bible in a year. Am I really only to Malachi? It's, it's the halfway point, folks, where we feel like, I don't know if I got the will to keep going. Some of you are at a halfway point. Some of you watching, you're at the, at the halfway point. COVID knocked you for a loop. You kind of lost your zeal for church, for the things of God. I'm so glad we're rebuilding, regrowing that our, the folks are coming back and we're getting new people all the time. I'm so glad for that. But so many people checked out during COVID. I just don't have it in me to get back. But, but the Bible says that's not true. You do. You do have it in you. Amen. But see, let me tell you, the Bible reveals that it wasn't ultimately the mocking, the joking, the jesting, the threats of violence. That's not what made them say, I can't keep going. That's not what did it. I'm gonna tell you what did it. In one simple sentence, they lost the right focus. I can't tell you how important your focus is. What I mean by that is, when you get up in the morning, what, what is your focus on? Because something dominates everybody's day. What's your focus on? Is it on just this way? Is it just this way? And I gotta do the job, gotta earn the money, gotta take care of the kids, gotta this, gotta that. And, and that's your focus? Or is your focus this way? It's either horizontal or vertical. Your, your focus every day and mine needs to be vertical first. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. So the, the, you, you calibrate your daily compass every day by starting out with God. But they didn't do that. In the middle of the work of the Lord, they lost the right focus. They were in Emmanuel labor. They were doing the work of the Lord and that's where they lost their focus, doing the work of the Lord. They weren't off of the nearest bar. They weren't throwing their lives away. They weren't living in deep sin. They lost their focus doing the work of God. Whoa. They taken their eyes off of God and they began to focus on the rubbish. Watch this. They looked and they said, there is so much rubbish. That tells me right there, their focus had gone from vertical to horizontal. There's so much rubbish, so much rubbish. Uh, they, were, they were focused on the broken stones, the plaster, the dust, the dirt, the debris, the trash. They, they looked at what was half done and they looked at what still needed to be done, half more. They saw all the junk and they said, I just don't have it in me to clean this mess up and deal with all this and finish this wall. It's just not in me. It suddenly looks so overwhelming that they believed a lie. We are not able to build the wall. That was a lie. We are not able to build the wall. That's a lie. If God tells you to do something, you can do it. Behind every command from God is the grace of God empowering you to do it. And let me just bring this home to us out of the Old Testament into the New. 
Here we go. This is what life is like for you and me today, right? There, there's so much rubbish. <laughs> so much rubbish. So much rubbish, figuratively speaking. Raising the kids, that's enough right there. <laughs> Paying the bills, struggling to make ends meet with inflation, conflict with coworkers, squabbling at home, squabbling on the way to church. A fender bender on the way to the store. That's the last thing you needed. Johnny's grades aren't good. Susie's got an attitude problem. Gas has gone up another 10 cents a gallon. And you went to get some eggs and they're 10 bucks a dozen now. <laughs> it's the way it feels. And, and you just wake up one day and you say, there's too much rubbish. I just cannot finish. But more than that, listen, on a deeply spiritual level, all of us face this every week every day, virtually every hour, we face this. The spiritual battle that's being waged against believers in Christ. Every Christian wakes up to a nation in moral collapse. Can I say that again? Every Christian wakes up to a nation in moral collapse. Now wrong is right. Right is wrong. We've lost our minds. Things don't make sense anymore. We wake up to that and we see, no, no, my Bible tells me right is right and wrong is wrong. Not right is wrong and wrong is right. So there's conflict. We wrestle with the challenge to live pure in, in a pornographic culture. We witness well-known Christians walking away from the faith. You read the news. We sense a rise in persecution that we never thought we would see in America, but it's certainly striking more and more and more, your beliefs and my beliefs and Bible values are under attack. And on top of all that, we face the daily pressure to conform to a pagan society. And we're called to not do that. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the whole thing, there is, there is a, a battle and it weighs on you and it wearies you until finally you go, you know what? I don't know if I'm able to finish. There's too much rubbish. This has just become too much. Now, how did Nehemiah respond to this? I'm gonna show you wisdom. I want you to look at what he did. He took their wrong focus and he got it back on the right focus. And, and he did it by bringing them back to their why first. He said, don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Because they were trembling in fear. The intimidation campaign was working. And they were afraid. If you go turn to the right, they're going to be there. Turn to the left, they're going to be there. You're going to die. You're going to lose the battle. Uh, they're, they're coming at you from every side. You can't win. You can't finish. And they were yielding to fear. Nehemiah said, don't yield to fear. Instead, get your focus fixed. Folks, I'm going to tell you, if you're full of fear, your focus is off. It needs to be recalibrated. Because fear comes from what you're looking at. Fear comes from what you're thinking about. Fear comes from the wrong focus. And believe me, I've dealt with fear hugely in my life. I was raised in a family of worriers. If you don't wanna worry about something, you let me know. I'll call my family that live in New York. They'll worry for you. I had to retrain my mind to not worry, to not be afraid, not walk in fear. Fear means wrong focus. Have you ever sought the embrace of God's love? 
In the midst of life's uncertainties, have you ever considered the comfort from resting in God's unwavering mercy? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he illustrated the power of finding refuge in the perfection of God's love. Never forget the assurance that God's love is flawless and will never fail. No matter what you face, God's love will always remain a constant amidst the storms of life that come. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Are you at your full potential? Are you growing to the person you truly want to be? In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that discovering your full potential is completely linked to receiving God's gift of grace. In the midst of your self-growth, acknowledge that God's mercies are a catalyst for real transformation. It has the power to redeem past shortcomings, fuel resilience in the face of challenges, and guide you toward your highest purpose. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Ephesians right here on Hardwired. Hardwired.